Show me the money. This is the MoneyWeb Be a Better Investor podcast. Picking the brains of professional investors on their investment strategies, successes, and mistakes. Your host, Rake Fanica. Welcome to this week's edition of the Be a Better Investor podcast. My name is Rake Fanikark, and in this podcast series, I speak to leading investors and business leaders about investments. And we also take a peek into their personal investment approach and strategies. And we try to understand how they analyze investment opportunities, what shares and assets they invest in, and whether they have more hits than misses. And the idea is to identify a few golden nuggets of wisdom to help amateur retail investors to become better investors. My guest today is Langa Mankwele. He is the head of equities and equity derivatives at the JSE. Langa, thank you so much for your time today. First of all, just tell us a bit about your background. Where did you grow up and when were you first exposed to investments? Thanks, Rake, and thanks to all the listeners of your podcast. I grew up in uh, northern KZN by the coast in a small village called Ntlabane. It's an hour's drive outside of Richards Bay, those who are familiar with the place. There, I lived along in the coastal forest, really, freshwater lakes that broke into pristine seas there in the especially where I grew up. I still have very fond memories of that place. The family was quite nomads. We later moved further north to a place called Mutubatuba. It's very close to Isimangaliso wetlands, St. Lucia. We've always been around the coastal areas in northern Kedren. So I got to attend different rural primary schools and high schools up to matric around them. And I first came into Joburg, I think about 21 years ago. That was the first time I came in on my own in a big city and it was really to enroll for a four-year degree at a college called the Cedar City Campus, where I did the Bachelor of Business Administration with the majors in international finance. So that's how I got myself into the big city. And when were you first exposed to investments? It was once I was doing my degree in international finance, because there we covered, for example, most of the people who have done corporate finance 101, you know, you get to be introduced to the modern portfolio theory and all the tools of valuation that goes along with that. You're really the basics of investment. So that was my first time. But I never really took it seriously beyond just studies and theoretical knowledge until I, I started to get working. My first job was a teller. I did that job for about a year. Half of it just the typical teller South African rents. Then the half of it I did foreign exchange. So that reconnected me back to my studies in international finance. And as I got lucky, broke into NetBank Capital, it was called that time. It's now NetBank CIB Markets. I got an entry-level job there in trading technology systems, really nothing close to investments per se. But because I was still close to the activities in the markets, the products, at that time there was a boom of CFDs. So we were implementing contracts for differences for the bank. So I started to dabble with those for my personal portfolio. It's very interesting that traders actually always go first into the derivatives because that's what they are exposed to. 
Tell us about the early days of your personal derivative trading, CFDs and the like. Were you good at it? <laughs> I wouldn't say good at it. Look, I should really add, derivatives are really for professionals. It's best if you have a professional background or you've got really good advice and someone who can handhold you because they're geared. You could get exposure on a share, let's say for a tenth of what is required to purchase a share. You could get that exposure, but it could go either way. But some of the derivatives, they can quite simply, once you've understood really the mechanics of them, the bank will require you to put down a margin deposit then they write you whether is it a, let's say a single stock future just stick to the basics ones or a cfds which cfds are funded overnight so there's a bit of funding depending on the direction so if you buy you are obviously hoping that the price will keep going up and that difference just keeps accumulating as pnl in your portfolio i wasn't really worried about things such as volatility, what is happening in the market, and so on. I would just look at what was cheap, and, and I will get in with that. But I got my fingers burned here and there. So I eventually closed down my account. Yeah, You can get your fingers burned with derivatives. You need to know what you are doing. When did you buy your first share of a company, and what was it? The first share of a company, I really didn't buy it. It was one of the long-term share incentive schemes so i got it because of that when i was still in the bank but what i did with it is each time there were dividends declared then i used those dividends to start dabbling into the shares and i've really been sticking around companies that are south african where i understand the operations their activity household brands really the names that you'll find either in the jc top 40 consumer discretionary, those sort of ones, or in the mid-caps, financial services, the banks as well, because I was in the bank at the time. So those were the shares that I started off with, but I really financed those early investments through the dividends I was getting from my shares at the bank. You also studied internationally. You did an MBA in Minnesota, and then you did a global executive MBA in Vienna, of all places. Did your studying of business management, of course, MBAs actually focus on business management, did that change your investment approach in any way? Yes, Peter, really thanks for that question. Like, yeah, it definitely did. One of the things that you do when you do those uh, international MBAs is that you get to travel and be in those countries. So some of the modules... We did them in Argentina, Brazil, mainland China, and Hong Kong, and India. Then there you also visit companies and see different economies and just get a sense of understanding that. So that actually introduced me to a more macro-focused investment in my portfolio. I have a small portfolio of ETFs. So for example, right now I'm looking at uh, emerging markets that really offer good opportunities that are cheap. For example, Polish equities have done phenomenally well. They are one of them. Brazil is the other. The economy is is quite good there. And the reason I use ETFs there is because I know that I'm limited in understanding the individual companies and their operations and their return drivers and so on. And I 
frankly, they don't have the time to do that. Some people probably can do that. But ETFs, I find that they offer just broad exposure, diversification that comes with the ETF products. So simplifies a lot of work for me. I think that's one dimension that I would say, having studied internationally, sort of exposed me to, yeah. So you went from being a trader and buying and selling very high-risk derivatives to a much more conservative approach of exchange-traded funds. And why did you decide to go a much safer route with the ETFs? <laughs> That's a good question. Probably it's age. When you're still young, you don't put bother much about risk and all of those things. And it's fun. It's interesting. I still find it all fun and interesting. I really wouldn't say I was a trader then, though I was in a trading environment, interacting and working with the traders. But for myself, I was just really trading for myself. So what made me switch really was the environment at the JSC. So the conflict of interest governance is much stricter. If I need to buy, I need to advise my boss in advance, compliance in advance, get approval. And if I need to sell, I also need to do that. So the timing just doesn't work. Whereas the compliance requirements are more lenient when you are investing in, in ETFs. So ETFs, because I'm not making single names, and that's because of the nature of the job. We work with very sensitive information. Often we get to know about price sensitive information on individual companies ahead of the market. So I think just for being prudent, I decided not to dabble in uh, single stock futures, CFDs. I have to track what's happening in the underlying and that might really conflict me and my role, yeah. Many young investors or people getting their first job, they get a bit of money, they would like to build a wealth portfolio or secure long-term wealth. They also don't really appreciate or understand risk. How do you think a young individual who wants to enter the investment world should approach the products they invest in? Because there are a myriad of products available, ranging from high-risk derivatives, buying shares, buying unit trusts, buying exchange-traded funds. And all of those investment options have a different risk profile. So how do you think young people should think about risk? Risk sounds quite scary, right? But there's always an opportunity attached to it. My advice would really to say, firstly, get a stockbroking account. Probably don't start with self-directed discretionary. Start with just a managed stockbroking account where you could call in, get some guidance, get someone to talk you through the process. Maybe not because I work for the exchange, right? but I would say... ETFs are really the, the great way to, to dip your toes in that one. They introduce you, particularly ETFs on equities, they introduce you into a basket of shares. You get to understand what is under the hood. The issuers of ETFs, they do really an, a fantastic job in their minimum disclosure documents. They are called MMD, where they will give you an investment policy summary. They will tell you what generally they'll give you the top 10 holdings in the portfolio, they will give you a view on one year, three year, five year return versus the benchmark. So you really get to understand things to look out for, things to know. One of the things 
we generally don't take for granted is cost money to trade. It's not that you see a share, let's say it's worth the 12 rand you buy it, and that's all there is. There are custody fees, there are brokerage fees, there are fees that the brokers pay to exchanges and so on. Whereas ETFs, those costs are shared amongst a pool of investors. By the way, I will add that uh, unit trusts offer just as much as a best way to really dip your toes when you're a new investor. The difference between the two being that there's more liquidity ETFs, you can buy and sell at any time during the time at which the markets are open. So price visibility is, is fairly high there. As you were growing as an investor, did you have a mentor or asset managers or professional investors you followed to learn? Because it's not easy. Even professional investors battle to consistently pick winners. So did you have a mentor to help you on this journey? No, not really. But the interesting thing that happened is on my earlier years when I was still studying at CEDA, we had a number of companies that were involved who will send in professionals for area that we were studying. So, for example, we had Investec sending through some of really the top professionals to come and teach us investments, practically how they do it. So those are the people one leverage of. And we were fortunate when the financial mail was still around, we were getting old copies, I think two weeks, three weeks old. And I will always just rush to the back of the financial mail to just see the summary of uh, the stock market there. So I really just used free information that I could get in class or in the financial old financial mail magazine. And I would say that's one way. Today, the information is much more forthcoming. There's a lot of videos on, on YouTube. Just people need to be careful because some of them are people who are really novices. They don't know what they're talking about. Today, though, Eric, I follow a lot of the guys who post on LinkedIn, there's a community of South African analysts and traders who post on LinkedIn, but much on Twitter, really helpful information that you could just follow through. The financial mail still exists today and they have a very, very good investment analyses. I think many websites and other publications do as well. And what I deduct from what you are saying is read, 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 read and see what other people are doing and then maybe tailor an investment strategy around what they do. Is that basically the principle? Yeah, that's basically the principle. You really want to read as much as you can. Spend some time just listening to uh, people who are in the game, what they're talking about. People I find that some people are really, really forthcoming with information. They will tell you, for example, what they are holding in their portfolio or why. I think uh, the ghost, I still follow, by the financial the ghost postings, I really like them. He really breaks down companies very well. It's simply to understand, even with much information that I get, have because of the job, I still follow those people. So I would really encourage people to just read and pick three or four or five people that you would follow who talk about these things at least on a weekly, if not daily basis. Then the two big questions, and they always elicit a bit of a giggle. But the first one, what has been your worst investment ever? Yeah, so my worst investment ever was trying to profit from when the African bank was still listed, trying to get into a short there. <laughs> that was my worst investment. So that got my fingers bent there a lot. 
So that was the worst. As we know, eventually the company winded up. It got broken down into a good bank, a bad bank. That's, that's one of my worst investments ever that I've, I've had back in the years. So you shorted African Bank, but the share price imploded. Did you just get the timing wrong? Yes. Yes, it was the timing wrong because there were ramblings already around about that time. But when you do that, you need to have the cash just to maintain the position and keep funding it. By the time I couldn't really, really sustain. By the time I got out, and then when the share eventually imploded, it precipitated the fall, I was out of that position. So the timing for me was, was just bad. I could have hung on a bit. <laughs> I would have been okay. Yeah. So you jumped the gun a bit, and I think that is a mistake many uh, people make. And it's difficult to try and time the market. But let's talk about your best investment ever. Which investment are you the most proud of and where you made a nice chunk of money? Well, I hold a number of unit trust portfolios that have uh, positions that have kind of come in uh, very well, particularly with the last 12 months or so of monetary tightening. Now, this is really fairly recent that have come through for me quite well. I won't mention the name of the investment managers here, but I've got a really good flexible income fund that has really been good for me. I've also have a good money market fund that has been good. Cash has been quite good, actually, or income-driven funds on a unit trust fund. So those are the ones that I, I really have. Langa, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your insights. And may your investment strategy just go from strength to strength or from rands to dollars, it sounds to me. Uh, but thanks so much. No, thanks. Thanks, Rick. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the time and good luck to all the listeners of your podcast out there who are trying their fit out in investments. Thank you. I think the main message I take away is you went through the ranks. You were exposed to derivative trading early on in your career. You learned your lessons and then you adopted a more conservative long-term strategy, which seems to be paying off. And I think young investors should look at risk, understand it fully. And as you grow older or get more experienced, you will understand that long-term investing is probably an easier and more profitable type of strategy to have than to try and double your money in a week or invest in really, really high-risk investments where you can make a lot of money, but you can also lose a lot of money quite quickly. Yes, 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 absolutely. That's a perfect summary. Langa, thank you so much for your time today. That was Langa Mankele. He's the head of equity and equity derivatives at the JSE. Show me the money. That was the Money Web, the A Better Investor podcast with Ray Finikap. Thanks for listening. Catch up and listen to all the MoneyWeb podcasts on moneyweb.co.za or the app. MoneyWeb, your trusted source for business and investment insights.